talk about um, the family of God a little bit because Ephesians, in Ephesians chapter uh, 3, verse 14 to 15, I don't know if you have in the New King James back there. Maybe not. It might be in, in the New Living. But it just says, I, I Paul, I bow my knees to the Father uh, of, of, of whom, or the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It talks about a father. Uh, this, this whole idea of church was designed to, to look like a family. We have one father. And it says that, uh, he says, I bow my knees to the Father uh, of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. You know, the whole family uh, is named after this person called Christ. That's where we get the idea of being Christians, Christ followers. And I love the fact that it says it's those who are in heaven and on earth. You know, the friends that we've lost on, on this, uh, on this uh, uh, side of heaven, they're there now. You know, uh, there's, there's all the ones who've gone before, like Abraham and Paul and Moses. They're part of our family. When we get there, we got big brothers waiting for us, big sisters waiting for us. Uh, they're part of our family still now, uh, as, well as, as well as us. Look around. The people here are followers of Jesus. That, that, those are your bros, you know. Those are, those are your family members. Take a look. You know, see any resemblance? No? Uh, must have been the other mother. All right. So, um, but they're, they're your family members. And that's something that, that uh, I, I got to say at Kingsway, you guys do really well. You really do. People come here and they're like, man, it feels like you guys all love each other. Like for real. It feels like a, a big family when we get here. I, I just love that. I want to encourage you. That is a biblical thought. Um, you know, we are created for relationship. And that's why I want to do a series on it. We're going to spend time from between Mother's Day and Father's Day. Because the Bible's full of principles about relationships. It really is, uh, you know, the thing that makes life valuable is the relationships you have. You know, the greatest things in life aren't things. You know, good quote, but even better meaning, the thought that it's the people in our lives that matter the most. Uh, and because of that, and they also, they've got the opportunity to bring the most blessing and joy into our lives. But because of that, they also have the opportunity to bring the most hurt and damage into our lives. You know, marriage is supposed to be an amazing thing, but we know that 50% of them end in just wreckage. Why? Because uh, the, the, the closeness can also bring that incredible amount of hurt. Um, and the, the Bible just talks about so many different things. And that's what we want to look at. What does the Bible say about, you know, uh, husband-wife relationships? What does it say about parent-child uh, relationships? You'll, you'll get some good, uh, good thoughts on that. What, is, what does he say about employer-employee relationships? You know, God talks about that. And friendships. How to make friends. How to be a, a, a good friend. Uh, it's because we were created for relationship. You know, God in the beginning created Adam. It was just Adam and God. You know, that was, they were happy in the garden. Adam and him would hang out. And he'd say, hey, Adam, here's all these animals. Name them. He's like, okay, God, cool. I'll name them all. And there was this relationship of God and man. And that's the thing he wants, personal relationship with you. But then he says he created Eve as well. And man could have relationship with another person. And God wants that in our lives as well, that we'd have relationship with one another. And then it says that Adam and Eve also walked with God. That there was this idea of the fact that we as corporate people could have relationship with God together. That there's this thing of encouraging one another, uh, protecting one another, and developing that, that relationship with Him. You know, I want to I ask you, if you think about all the relationships that you have right now, all the ones you're kind of juggling, you know, parents, children, uh, you know, your spouse, friends, it's a balancing act. You know, and in the ones that are valuable to you, are those relationships continuing to grow? Are, are, the, are you continuing to invest time and, and, uh, and, and effort into seeing those relationships grow? Because the ones that we al allow to grow become the ones that are amazing in our lives. The ones that, you know, you, you, see, you think about, you know, think of if you're married and you've been married for a while, you think about those people who were at, uh, in your wedding party. Are they all still your best buddies? You know, some of them I haven't talked to since my wedding. I'm like, it's pretty crazy, but they, uh, they well, anyways, I won't say what happened to them. But anyways, uh, a lot of times what, um, we realize that the relationships in our lives matter. 
And, and I just want to encourage you this morning with, with one thing of talking about for, um, having first things first. Uh, having the first things first in, in, in our lives and out of that, uh, the rest of our relationships. If you have the relationship with God primary in your life, then you'll see uh, how it affects the other relationships in your life. If relationship with God is put on the back burner, it will and already has affected the relationships in your life. I guarantee it. And that's one of the things that, that uh, we want to we look at, at today because we talk about this thing of let's have a relationship with God. <laughs> well, what does that look like? You know, I get it, you know, relationship with a person, but what does relationship with God look like? And rather than allowing that to just become a cliche at Kingsway, I want to just look at that this morning for a few minutes because all of us, no matter, even if you're a first-time visitor here, even if you've never heard of, uh, uh, of God or Jesus, which I, I highly doubt, but just in case you're here, you know, maybe uh, every person here this morning has some relationship to God. In, in, in your life. You are living your life in relationship to God. And I want to give you a little, uh, I want to give you a little checklist of options. So it's kind of multiple choice. You pick one of the five that sounds closest to you. Your relationship to God, what does it sound like? Does it sound like A, life without God? You know, you're an atheist. You somehow got lost, came here looking for directions, and uh, found yourself in church this morning. You do not believe that God even exists. Uh, I don't imagine there's too many of you here. We won't make you raise your hands. But, uh, you know, the, your life is lived in this relationship to a God that you believe does not exist. Option B, life, you know, over God. That, you know, there's also uh, another thought of, uh, after atheism is deism. This thought that, yeah, there's a God. I believe there's a God, but I really can't get to the point where I think that he cares about me. He, yeah, he created this whole place maybe, but um, he doesn't have any uh, personal uh, uh, interest in my life. Like, it's just, he's out there. He's a being somewhere. And that's just kind of where, where your life is uh, being lived in, in a relationship to some God maybe out there. Or what about maybe your option C, your life is life under God. You feel like, you know, that, that God is much more concerned about your rule keeping than an actual relationship with him. We call it legalism, where you just, it's all, your life is all about being, trying to be squeaky clean on the outside so you can impress this God. And it's more like a slave relationship because if you don't, you're getting it. You're getting a whooping from God. You know, he's going to give you cancer or something. You know, that, are you living your life in relationship to God in that way? Maybe it's option four. Are we doing letters or numbers? D. Option four. Letter C, whatever. Life from God. Um, it, life from God. Maybe your whole idea with God is that God's main job is to make my life good. You know, it, it, he's, my, he's my slot machine for prayer. God, I need this. Ka-ching. Oh, sweet, I got a new job. You know, God, I don't like that job. I need a raise. Ka-ching, you know. Uh, that's what I get. Or, or, you know, maybe he's your lucky charm where you're like, yeah, I got Jesus in my life just so that, you know, I don't go to hell someday. You know, I got Jesus in my life so that, you know, hopefully bad stuff doesn't happen to me. And when it does, it's like, come on, I'm like a Christian. Uh, this shouldn't happen to me. You know, and you're, it's where I believe sort of that health and wealth gospel has come from is that God is all about you. The, the trick with life from God is that, you know, you're still God in your life and you think that he's got to do everything around you in your life. Maybe that's how you're living your life in relationship to God. Or option E, five, the idea of life with God, where for you, you're living in relationship to God is a, just a living, breathing, walking, talking, doing life with God every day, no matter what that brings. We're doing it together. Which one would you find yourself closest to? We won't do a poll. Uh, but a lot of times, the reason I look at this this morning is because we compartmentalize relationship. We do. We, we sometimes will compartmentalize spirituality to the weekend. 
Saturday night service if you're here, Sunday morning Bible study, that's the time where I talk to God and God talks to me. That's it. You know, that's kind of where it's at. But try that in any of your other relationships. You know, husbands and wives, just talk to each other one hour Sunday morning. You know, wake her up at 9.30 and be like, hey, we could talk for an hour or something. And then, uh, you know, see, see her again in a, in a week. You see how, see how that works for you. It, 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 it doesn't really work well. It's not the, it's not the idea. Um, the relationship that God wants to have with us is this anytime, anywhere. It's me, me and God walking together through life. And I want to take a look at that. Stephen Covey wrote a book called Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And he wrote on habit number three is put first things first. Well, he is a real wise guy and uh, sold a lot of books, but he got his wisdom from God. Because God is, the whole idea of first things first is God's idea. Uh, if you look at it, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. We have it up there? Sure. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. In the New King James, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and live righteously. It says, Seek first, his, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What, what's righteousness? Righteousness is this right relationship with God where you understand that you're righteous because of what he's done. So he says, Seek that first. Because God is a God of order. He has things that if you do this first, then this second, this third, do this first. And it says, and all these other things will be added unto you. See, that seems like kind of the opposite of what our culture is preaching to you every single day. Whether you realize it or not, culture is preaching to you every single day that says, get, get, get as much as you can. Get a better job. Get more money. If you're not getting enough money, go on strike, you know, because we have to have so much. And it's rampant in our culture. You don't see that all over the world. You see people who learn how to, to live with less and still laugh, smile, and have joy. Our culture is trying to tell you every day that you need the next thing. If you could just get enough uh, uh, stuff, it's going to do it for you. And so we, we spend our lives in the pursuit of it. And you say, well, I'm a Christian, you know. That's, that's, that's not the, the thought. Um, but but the, Jesus is saying here, seek first the kingdom. Seek first his, uh, this right relationship with God. And all the other stuff gets added to you. It's a byproduct of relationship. It's a byproduct of just uh, having relationship with God. It's not our main pursuit. See, the thing is, it doesn't just affect worldly people. It affects us as Christians as well. This mentality of, you know, we, we, can, we can try and do a lot of good things. And I think that's a great thought. You know, if the enemy can't get you doing bad things... He's going to try and get you doing so many good things that you're so busy, you don't, you're doing a whole lot of good stuff for God that you miss out on doing good stuff with God. And some of you can find your lives in this, this idea of busyness that's just not really benefiting you and you still feel empty inside. The, I, I want to talk to that this morning because what we need as a church is relationship with Jesus Christ, with God through, through Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. Um, at our leader day this uh, past, past week, we went to a, a leadership day and they talked about pruning rose bushes. They said, you know, rose, when it starts in the spring, it's got all kinds of buds. And uh, I have some rose bushes that were planted by the person who lived there before me. I have no idea. They just look horrible. But I, I learned a lesson there. You're supposed to prune them. You know, all the, all the buds that come up, uh, it, can't, it can't sustain all of those buds. So it says, you know, find the ones you like the best and cut everything else off. Just get, even if they're good, just keep the best. And allow those things to flourish and grow in your life. And it says if there's dead stuff on there, cut those things off. And it said doing the same thing in our lives. Don't try and do everything. Just do the best thing. And that's what God's saying too. Don't try and do more for God. Do just a little bit of life with God. Put that as the, the focus of what you look for first. And you know what? The gospel sets you free to do that. That's the good news is that, that you don't have to measure up with anybody else. You know, man, they do Bible study and they're leading a home group and, and they're in church on Saturday and Sunday. Like, I can't believe this. Like, how do I keep up? You don't. 
You just, he said, just seek me. Just seek relationship with me. Yours is going to be different than everyone else's. John chapter 15, he talks about, he talks about in the Bible, this whole idea of you're a branch and he's the vine. The branch does not bear any fruit unless it's connected to the vine. You know, you try it. Cut off, cut off a branch of a tree and watch how long it lasts. It might look alive for a while, but it dies. He's saying the same, the same idea of if you have a light bulb and, and it's not connected to power, it's not shining. Sure, it's there, but it's of absolutely no use and no value. And, and I want to encourage you with this thought. If we're not connected to Jesus in our life, everything we're doing is, is uh, not, not uh, something that's bearing fruit for Christ. It isn't. It doesn't matter how good we try. You know, we can be a part of a worship team. We can lead worship. We can build a great church. We can do all that stuff. But if we're not connected to Jesus, it's nothing. It really is nothing. It's not the fruit that he wants uh, in our lives. You know, for, for some of you, you might actually have to do less. You're like, Mark, don't say that. We need cafe volunteers. We need kids ministry volunteers. What are you doing? Don't tell them to do less. Doing less might be the best thing for you. If you'll do more of life with Christ, uh, as a result. If you say, my focus is God, I just want to do it with you. And, and out of that, just be led by his spirit in what you should and shouldn't do. You know, that's what we talked about in Galatians, this life of being led by Holy Spirit. Remember that? John, uh, in John chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus said this, my sheep, they hear my voice. They know me. They hear my voice and they're led uh, uh, and they follow me. How much of the stuff that you're doing is as a result of the leading of Holy Spirit in your life or how much of it is out of obligation and just routine that you do it? The thing is we can get so, so stuck in regular life that we forget that this life is meant to be lived with him. And you say, wow, you know what? I, I, I think it's spiritual to do a lot of that stuff. How many of you think Jesus was a pretty spiritual person? None of you. Where? Well, I must be in the wrong church. <laughs> How many of you think Jesus was a spiritual person? Yeah, he was. he was. He was spiritual. And yet, you know what Jesus said? And I love it. He says, you know, in John chapter 5, verse 19, verse 30, verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 28, he basically says the same thing in all those verses. Hey, you know what? All this stuff I'm doing, miracles, all that. He says, I don't do any of that unless the Father tells me. He's like, I don't say anything unless God tells me to say it. Uh, this is how he lived his life and just that connection with God. And out of that, taking opportunity just to be obedient to God as he spoke to him. You know, that is the, the life that he wants for each of us, that we would, we would live that, uh, that out. You know, what if, uh, what if we witnessed to the ones that God directed us to witness to? What if it, was, what if it wasn't this idea of, oh, I got to share the gospel because that's what you're supposed to do? The Bible, the Bible, you know, he says things like this. Philip in the, in the book of Acts, you know, Philip would, uh, he was walking down the road and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just says to Philip, hey, go catch up to that chariot up there. What? that you got? Yeah. All right. Fine. All right. What do I do then? Don't worry. I'll tell you. Okay. Runs up, catches up to the chariot. He's like, okay, God, what do I do? Just listen. All right. So he's walking along beside the chariot. I'm looking at the guy and the guy's reading from the, from a book. He's like reading from Isaiah. He's like, oh man, I don't get this stuff. And Philip's like, okay, what do I do? And God's like, hey, go just explain it to him. All right. Hey, do you, uh, hey, I, I happen to be walking along here, just whatever. And I heard you reading from this book. And uh, do you understand what you're reading? The guy's like, no, actually I don't. He said, well, I do. Can I hop up there? Yeah, sure. Come on up. Guy hops up in. This is, we say, oh, it couldn't have been like, it was like that. It says that, that he hopped up in there and he says, he starts explaining to him. He says, what you're reading about, this, this person you're reading about, this is Jesus. He died. He's an uh, opportunity to give you life. And this guy's from a, a totally different country. And he says, hey, you know what? Can I be baptized? Can I be a follower of Jesus? He's like, yes, you can. Leads him to Christ right there. Guy gets saved. He's a head of a, head of, um, a, a queen's 
um, uh, men and, and just a high-profile person. Why? Why does he instantly have that happen to him? Because God's already been working on him. You know what happens? It happens here. I might have some of the details of the story a little sketchy, but there was a, my father-in-law ordered a mattress and uh, he had it delivered. And, um, you know, all of a sudden he was there. He's talking to the guys in the back and he had said to me, I felt like I should just go talk to the driver. And he's like, why? You know, it'd be the same thought. Go talk to the driver. Why? You know, he's the driver. But he felt this thought. Go talk to the driver. Okay, so he goes and talks to the driver and, and through that conversation, all of a sudden he's like, okay, well, I don't know what I'm doing. And that thought of, hey, ask him to church. Okay, all right. You know, hey, you want to come to church? Yeah. What? Really? No, like serious? Uh, yeah, I do. You know, I'll call you later. And sure enough, the guy calls and he ends up coming to church. He gets healed the first Sunday he's here. He's a guy who's giving away all these, these appliances. His name's Dan. I won't point him out, but he's somewhere over there. And, um, he, you know, it's like out of all of this, what incredible blessing happens, uh, this opportunities for incredible blessing. Why? Because somebody answered the thought of saying, hey, go talk to the driver. What? Spirituality, life with Christ can be as simple as go talk to the driver. Yes. If, you know, there's some of these things that happen in our lives that we think are coincidence. They're not. I want to I tell you that, that God wants us to be aware of the moments that he's um, working in our lives. And, and the problem for us is most of the time we live our life completely unaware of him. And he wants us to have, to be aware of him. It's not a new idea. In the 1600s, there's a guy named Brother Lawrence. He was a monk, lived in a monastery, and he wrote a book called Practicing the Presence of God, and it's still around today. Why? Because of that thought of, of realizing that if you're, if you're a parent with um, kids that don't keep you up all night, you probably have about 960 minutes every single day to do life. How many of those 960 minutes today did you think, hmm, I wonder what God's doing today. I wonder what, uh, I wonder what God wants in my life today. I wonder who he's sending my way today. Uh, God, what, what are we doing today? How many of those minutes did you have as, as thought about that? Because what, what the, the, the thought and idea of relationship with God is that we are aware of his presence in our life all the time. As many of those moments as, as possible. And that, that there aren't coincidences in our life. You know, somebody shared last night, they were here at the service, and they said, you know what, I, I got to tell you something. I got I to tell you what happened. I was at home, and I was in my bed, and I, was, I woke up at 3.05 in the middle of the night, and um, uh, all of a sudden, she said, I felt this heavy weight on me. Like, uh, it was just, and it was scary, and it was, it was pretty dark, and I was, I was kind of like terrified, and, and I was like, I don't know what's going on, shaking like crazy. And she said, you know, the dog came up and was kind of close to her, never does that. And then uh, as, she's, as she's going, all of a sudden, her phone dings. And it was about seven or eight minutes later, all of a sudden she sees this verse that comes up on the phone. It was a prayer that just came up that said, you know, the devil, he goes about like a roaring lion. And the prayer was, you know, Lord, when I'm in the darkness of night, when, uh, when, you're, when it's happening in my life, would, you, would I be strong in you? Would your spirit give me strength? And she's like looking at us like, is that a coincidence? No, that's God talking to you. God, know, God knows how to talk to you through different things. He talked to Balaam through a donkey. He talked to Peter through a rooster. He didn't have, you know, we don't have donkeys and roosters around. We got cell phones, so he'll use them. He'll talk to you through that. You know, the dog came up and comforted her that night. He said, the dog, my dog's never done that before. Can dog, can, can dog use a God? Blah. Can, uh, this is bad theology. Can God use a dog to uh, comfort you? Yes, he can. Can God use a cat? No, he can't. You know, uh, even, even he has limits. Um, uh, Psalm chapter 16. Uh, I want if if you if you if you miss anything, I want you to get this this morning. Psalm chapter sixteen. May this be the thought that 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 you put in your life. It says this. Psalm sixteen, verse seven. I will bless the Lord 
uh, who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. You know what the, the Bible just says, I'll give you counsel. It's the Lord gives me advice. He's giving me purpose of those words. It says, my heart also instructs me in the night seasons. And the word heart there is actually the word kidneys. It's like my kidneys are talking to me at night. It doesn't mean he need a pee break. It means that something from his innards are talking to him. That's where God is coming uh, to speak to him in the night seasons. It means literally uh, nighttime, but it also means that the dark times in your life, that God is speaking to you through that. And then he says this, I have set the Lord always before me. I have set him there. There's a part that we do, a part of setting God always before me. Uh, And it says, because he's at my right hand, I will not be moved. Why is it so important that we have God set before us all the time? I I know in my own life, when I don't have God set before me, I realize that temptations start to look attractive. You know, the things that say that's going to give you peace, that's going to give you joy, that's going to give you the fulfillment you want. I know that they're a lie and yet they look attractive. Why? Because it's not like I want that stuff. It's not like I want, you know, that, 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 the next, those feelings or whatever. I want the peace. I want the joy. I want the life that, that it's trying to promise me. That's what I want. But I know it comes from Christ. But there's a part in us that says we have to set, set um, him ever before me. That we're looking to him. The Bible talks about it. Um, all the time. And you know, it's so important because the, the, the reality is we have evil always before us. You, you realize that? You look at the news and you look at it and you see, man, like you, you, you just, you see the stories even this week. Uh, and I had people ask me this week, like, hey, if there's a God, how is it possible that, you know, these three girls in Cleveland, how is that possible that that happens? You know, if there's a God, how does this, this thing happen to this man in Ancaster? He's a churchgoer. How does this happen? I had somebody say this week to me, you know, my parents, my dad's cheating on my mom. um, And, um, you know, they're falling apart. How does this happen to me? You know, everything was going so great. Why, Why? How can there be a God if this is happening to me? You know, the thing is, so many people look for God in these dark times. It's all of a sudden, then they're like, oh, I need God. And the difficult thing for them is it's hard for them to see him in the dark seasons of life. Let me tell you something. If you're one of those people this morning say, you know, I have a hard time seeing God because I'm going through a lot. Uh, I'll give you a, a little tip. The secret to seeing God in the darkness is knowing him in the light. The secret to seeing him in the darkness is knowing him in the light. Being, a, being aware of him and the relationship that you have with him, that you keep him ever before you because it says this, when God's at my right hand, I will not be moved. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. I'm not moved because I know him. So when you, it's, for instance, last night I shared this thought that if, you know, I see you guys here and I close my eyes, are you still there? Yeah, yeah you are. I can't see you, but is that me or is that you? It's me. It's, it's, it's not you. It's me. You know, why? Because I, something's blinding my vision. Doesn't mean you just disappeared. And yet we want to think that thought of, wow, it's dark. God, I can't see. You must have disappeared. No, you've got something that's blocking your eyes. You're looking at the wrong thing. He says, set him before you. You know, the thought is that I've been working with my dad this week. has been awesome. I was getting to know uh, even more about him as at this stage of, uh, of life. And I realized my dad, uh, the fact I know he loves me. He told me all my life and I know it. You know, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden as we're working and the power goes out that I got to be like, oh no, dad's grabbing a chainsaw. I know it. He's coming for me. You know, he's going to cut my leg off or even worse, you know, whatever. Uh, how do I, I, I don't have that thought at all. Why? Because I know him. 
And some of you, as you read through these things, you see this in the news and you don't know God in the light. You just look at it like, how could God do something like that? As we get to know God, he's not like that. He doesn't do things like that to test people. He's not doing those kind of, putting all that kind of stuff. The enemy would love for you to doubt because then you don't reach out to him. You don't have him at your right hand. But he says, when God's at my right hand, I've set him before me. I will not be moved. You know, if you think God's your lucky charm, you're going to have a real hard time with this. You know, he didn't promise you you're not going to have any pain and suffering. He promised he's going to carry you through it. He didn't promise that this planet is everything to live for and that just you get, get, and get that it's going to bring joy in your life. He didn't promise you that. He didn't promise that he's going to bless you with so many blessings so that he could be the dad who um, gives his kids all kinds of stuff so he doesn't spend any time with them. We look at those dads and say, that's not a good dad. We want a dad who's going to spend time with his kids, not just give them stuff. You know, you know the thought is that we would seek God's face, not just his hands that we would have this idea of, God, I want to know you. I don't want to just get stuff from you. Because as Christians, and we learn this life of that God wants to bless us, he does because he wants the best for his kids. But it's not primary. He designed us to have relationship with him. I, I, my heart and prayer for, for us as a church is that we would find that, that thought and that idea of setting God ever before me. Because even the blessings that God pours out in my life are not going to be enough to satisfy the hunger and inner desire inside us. It is nothing less than relationship, doing life with God. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures evermore. In your presence, just being with him, fullness of joy. What does it look like to do life with God? My challenge for us this morning is to do that. Do life with God. And it was pretty, pretty cool because uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago I heard a message on it. Just this uh, guy named Pete Wilson. He was a guy who spoke at Promise Keepers. I looked up one of his podcasts. I'm, I'm listening to this thought. And he talks about this difficult meeting that he had to go into. And he's like, just before, he's like, oh man, God, I, I don't know if I'm good cut out to be a pastor. I don't know if I'm cut out for this leadership team. This is going to be a difficult meeting and I don't really, oh, I don't want to do it. And God's like, hey, well, you know, do you want to do it with me or without me? It's like that U2 song, with or without you. You know, I, I, he said, hmm. He says, okay, well, what do you mean? He's like, well, think about it for a second. Why don't, you thank, why don't you start by thanking me that you're alive today? Why don't you start by thanking me that you live in North America today? Why don't you thank me that the fact that you have a job, that you actually have a, And why don't you thank me for the fact that I, I can take care of you no matter how this meeting goes. It's going to be, you know, I'm, I, this relationship, we're going through it. Okay, God, well, if you can put it that way, then I'll do this with you, you know? So, and I'm th listening to that, and I'm thinking, I have a difficult meeting coming up myself. So instantly, I make the decision, I'm going to do this with God. You know, Pete might lead a church of 5,000, but I'm much more spiritual. I know right away, that's the decision I want to make, you know? I'm doing this one with God. And going to this meeting, you know, it was an incredible blessing in my life going through it, just doing it with God. It still felt difficult at first, but I just watched as God uh, worked out things in, in relationship with me. And I, you know what? I loved it. Uh, I realized it. And there's such an importance for us to do the setting of uh, God before us. What are you doing in your life to set God before you? So there's not a lot of practical things today that say, oh, here's like, this is, this is step one, two, three, and all of a sudden, boom, you're there. But to find ways to do it. You know, for myself, I share with you guys that, uh, you know, I don't get out of bed in the morning until I've got my mind set on the fact that, you know, I'm righteous in Jesus Christ. I'm his kid. My life is lived for his glory today. And, and I stay there. Sometimes it takes five minutes. Sometimes it takes two hours. And Beth's like, come on, it's already. You should be like there. Get, you know, get up. But there's this thought, I don't want to do life without him. You know, I tried that. And, and out of that, it just was, it was miserable. 
You know, I go, go to the shower and I just, you know, and it start, start life in the morning. I realize now I think about thoughts. I pray there. I sing there. As I'm washed, I'm thinking, you know what, God, you've washed me inside. You know, I'm clean on the inside because of you. And it helps me to, you know, face my day. You're like, wow, he's really spiritual, man. Like he even ties the shower to spiritual things. I'm telling you, I, I, the reason I have to do this kind of stuff is because I'm not. I'm not extra spiritual. I need reminders in my life that, I, that set God before me. Because I know, you know, there's times where I'll wake up and it'll be like five or six hours before I've ever thought of God. Those are, those are dangerous times in my life where I haven't thought of God because you know what? Hours turn into days. Days turn into weeks. Weeks turn into months. Months turn into years of where this relationship with God ended up being a mindless, you know, relationship, passionless, just existence and, and routine of life. He doesn't want us there. He wants to do life with us. It can happen to, you know, it happens to our other relationships in the same way. It happens to our marriages. You know, that same idea of, of not doing the same things uh, and, and marriages kind of go apart. I want to close with these thoughts. Revelation, if you turn there, heard a guy named Matt Tapley this week share this, and I just loved it. Revelation chapter 2, he wrote a, he wrote a um, Jesus is talking to a church in Ephesus. He says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. Here's what Jesus says to this church. Think about it. He says, I, I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You've discovered they're liars. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. Wow, incredible accolades. You know, this church has done some really good things. But he says, you know what? It isn't about doing the good things uh, only. He says this, I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or one another like you did at first. He says, you don't, you're not doing, you're, you're not loving like you did at first. See how far you've fallen? Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. He says, it's not just about doing all the good things. He's saying, the, the, this love relationship that we had at first is what I want. That's primary. If it happened to a church then, it can happen to a church now. And, and the thoughts is that, you know, I hear so many Christians say, ah, oh, I don't feel like God talks to me anymore. You know, I used to, used to be able to hear his voice, but I don't hear it anymore. You know, I don't feel God anymore. Like in worship services, I, I just don't feel him anymore. You know what? My question for you is, are you doing what you did at first? You know, when you first came to know Christ, and it was this idea of this, this happy friendship with Christ and with other people, uh, is that still there? Or now do you see the negative side in people, the negative side in life? Did you read his words like, oh God, I just want to get to know you? Or now has it become, oh, that's just my daily routine? You know, did you come to, to here this morning with expectancy and anticipation in your heart of, hey God, what might you do in my life? Who might I be able to bless? Or did you come here because it's obligation, it's Sunday morning, that's what I do? See, the thing is, it happens in marriages in the same, same way, you know. Oh, we just don't feel in love anymore. Oh, we just, you know, seem so distant now. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. You're not doing what you did at first. Because you can't feel out of love and you can't, you know, feel so distant if you were doing what you did at first. And he's saying the same thing. Because, you know what, feelings follow actions. 
If you're feeling like this, don't, you know, don't say, oh, you got to feel a different way. You got to do something different. Change the actions of what you're doing. Watch your marriage take off again. You know, remember back in the day when you're like, you're, you just can't wait to see each other and spend as much time as possible with each other. It's like hanging out. You got lots to talk about. Let's just talk about stuff. You know, and then you go home and you call her up at night. Hey, you know, uh, how you doing? Oh, good. And you talk for half an hour and then you're like, you know, ready to hang up. You know, babe, I love you. I love you too. Okay, good night. Good night. Okay, bye. Bye. Still there? Yeah. Me too. You know, oh, you're amazing. Oh, I love you. Oh, I love you too. Okay, you know, we really got to go to sleep. Yeah, you're right. We really do. It's 4 a.m. Okay, for real this time. Okay, for real. Okay, bye. Bye. I didn't hear a click. Me neither. Oh, and they just like, oh, man, it's so, it's so great. Why? Do, do what you did at first. Like now, you know, Beth asked me, go out and clean the van. I'm like, oh, clean the van. You know, back in the day, be like, hey, Mark, you go clean the van? Or was the Civic back there? Oh, sure, babe. Go out there, rip my shirt off, make sure she's watching the window, watching him like, hey, you know, don't worry, babe. I'm watching. I'm going to vacuum. I'm coming in after you. You know, it's like, it's going to, you know, that kind of thought of like, I'm going to do what I'm going to do at first. You know, you whisper sweet nothings in each other's ears, and now it's like just whisper nothing. You know, like that, that, that idea of do what you did at first. And it's not just funny stories. It will work. It will bring that passion in, in your life up, the thing to, to, to do it. And it's the same thing with our faith, our relationship with Christ. Feelings follow the actions. Uh, you know, that, that whole idea of doing first things first, you know, the relationship with Christ, it matters. When it's there and when it's solid uh, and when you be saying, God, I put you first in my life, watch the rest of it work. If you're working on your marriage, stop working on it if it's taking the time that you should be doing life with him. Just stop. If you're going to mess it up. Do first things first. You know, this whole idea of living in the, in the light of uh, this, this, the message of the cross, you know, saying, oh, the cross is where I first do business with God, and that's where I get saved. Your life is lived in that shadow of the cross. Really, my life is, I live it because of what he's done for me. I, I gather the love that he pours out in my life, so I have it to share with other people in my life. I don't need anything from any person because I got it from him. I can just be free to be the person I was designed to be. Let me do life with you, God. Who do you want me to talk to today? I'll just be obedient. I'll follow your nudges and nothing more. Man, it makes it amazing. You know, Paul, last thought, Philippians 3.10, I end with this verse. Paul said, said this thought. He says, you know, for the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, for the guy who, you know, we would look at and go, wow, he had it all together. He said this, I want to know him. <laughs> I want to know him. I, I want to know Christ. I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Could that be the prayer of our hearts too? Because, you know, if we realize that in that first thing of I want to know you, we'll be able to do the whole suffering thing because we know he's got us. We know he's taken us through. But we'll also experience the mighty power. Some people are seeking out power. I just want to see God do incredible stuff. He doesn't need you to do incredible stuff. He needs you to know him. <laughs> you know, if, he, if, if you just stay in relationship with him, he'll do powerful stuff through your life. You just focus on knowing him, he'll got you. He's got you. But guess what? You know him, you can do powerful stuff. My heart is to just get simple. Do first things first. Can, can you look at your life and say, you know what? Maybe I'm not there. I'm just, I haven't been just living life walking with God. My encouragement today is that you can because of what he did. If you don't know him this morning, it, there's a God who loves you. Incredibly, incredibly loves you. He's not looking for you to keep all his rules. He's looking for you to open your heart to say, okay, God, I want to do relationship with you. I've done life my way and it didn't work. I turn, I, I, I'm going to stop doing that and I want to do this. But he didn't die, didn't give his life just to have people fill pews or cushion seats. He died to have relationship with you. 
just with you. Not through me, you, just with you. Would you take Psalm 16 this week and say, okay, God, I'm going to set you ever before me. I'm going to put you at my right hand that you'll carry me through what I'm going through. Would you do that this week? Let's pray. Father, thank you for who you are. <laughs> it's because of you that we uh, live and move and, and, and have the life we have. Uh, God, thanks that you even wanted to do life with us. Thank you for the call on, on our hearts and the word that allows us to make change and see change in our life. Uh, God, thanks for continuing to bring us back to this place of just doing life with you. Pray that as people leave this place, as they walk uh, their days this week with you, that you would, uh, God, you'd speak to them. They'd know your voice. They'd hear your voice. They'd know what you're doing in them. Uh, that they would just be obedient to your leading, no matter what it may sound like. And Father, I thank you this morning uh, for the fact that, that you did everything necessary for us to have a relationship with you. So we do that this morning. God, we do that. We make that, that choice again to just walk with you. Pray your blessing over every person in this place. May your love and your joy and your hope and your peace fill their homes as they spend their time in your presence. It's for your glory and for your awesome and wonderful name we pray. Amen.